0: bat force radio
1: bat force radio
2: is rated m for mature or should that be immature
1: hey guys dustin Went. hey this is scott snyder this is paul dini and you're listening to bat force radio and you're listening to bat force radio you're listening to bat force radio
0: this is kevin conroy
2: the voice of batman and you're listening to bat force radio so stay tuned
0: back to bat force radio the dc batman podcast with no limits uh we have a beautiful beautiful tribute show today i'm gonna go around the round table real quick we got robin d cross in canada good evening we got legends of lego batman california be back there he is we got a grandpa batman in dallas texas howdy (laughs) i'm bat force i also in california and like i said we do have an awesome tribute so we want to get to it the comic book and entertainment community was deeply saddened last week to learn of the passing of the great Denny O'Neill. Ask any comic book fan or creator, and they will tell you that Denny was absolutely one of the most important voices in comics. He left a lasting impression both at Marvel and DC, and many fans know him from his work with frequent collaborator Neil Adams on Green Lantern, Green Arrow, and of course, Batman. Denny also edited some of the most important events in comic history, including the Dark Knight Returns, Batman Year One, and the mega crossover and event Batman Nightfall. It was Denny O'Neill who brought Batman out of the campy and bright era of the 60s and returned him to his dark and gritty street-level roots of the 70s. Every interpretation of Batman that you see in today's world throughout comics, TV, film, video games can be directly linked back to the way that he was reshaped by Denny O'Neill. But most importantly, Denny did all of this with warmth, humility, kindness, and respect for his collaborators and fans. He is described as a true gentleman and friend by many who knew him. And we are very fortunate today to have one of our favorite creators and a living legend himself come on to share his memories of not only being a fan, but also a collaborator with Denny O'Neill. This artist took the baton from greats like Denny and threw the character of Batman even deeper into the dark, grim, and supernatural can- caverns of our imag- imagination. Please welcome back to talk about Denny O'Neill, the great Kelly Jones.
1: Thank you very much.
0: Thank great you, Kelly. You. You. And, uh, you Thank know, you. We, um, we wanted to get you on so badly because... Obviously, you know you knew the man personally on a different level than most fans can can know, um, and you already have been sharing some like beautiful memories on Facebook, um, really touching stuff that really gives kind of fans an opportunity to see the other side of the man. You know.
1: Well, it look uh, like anyone else. Um, it was tremendously intimidating. You come, you know. I I've said many times. I, I it's really like you're i'm i'm still consider myself a fan more than than anything else i i happen to do it so i have more of a front row seat maybe Mm -hmm. so uh it was tremendously intimidating to know that they were looking at my stuff and asking me to start doing stuff like uh uh, archie goodwin or or denny uh covers and things like that Mm -hmm. um So when the first time I spoke with Denny, I was quite tongue-tied, you know. (laughs) Um, He fell into that category of people. To be honest, when I first uh, spoke with Doug Mensch, it was the same way. Because I had been reading their comics forever. Mm -hmm. And they become uh, every bit as mythical as the characters they're writing about. So when the phone would ring and they, and they told me, they said, well, uh, uh, Daniel probably give you a call about, and I think it was red rain or something. And, um, I really had to psych myself up for it because I'm usually pretty good with someone, you know, I can, I can handle it. You can act like a peer, but then there's those people that transcend that. And you know that your peers look up to them or that's the person that changed the course of things. There's a handful that truly changed the course of things. Denny did that probably with Batman more than anyone. I, well, other than, you know, Kane and Finger, it, to me it was Denny. Um, they all followed down those streets that he had uh, found. But he's the one who did it. And he's the one who, I, I mean, it, it seems easy now but it wasn't when he did it and he never forgot that he never forgot being that person himself uh extending that to us as artists and writers Mm. um he he was very much i mean uh he was very much visionary as everyone says but he was also very personable I mean, he never said how I, this is how I did it or how we did it or there was none of that. It was all, what are you going to do? What are you going to show? Don't be afraid to do this. Um, That, that find that in you and bring it out. I remember going to a, uh, they used to do these big conferences when they were back in New York and I wasn't really on the mains, but he wanted me out there. I, I would do covers and I would do special editions and it's before I got to doing the monthly, but he insisted I come out there and I had no idea why. Mm. And it was to be a part of this. It wasn't, yeah. you know, it was to, you are a part of this. And, um, I found it fascinating sitting there, all the people that were in Nightfall were there. And, and I was, uh, I know everyone says, oh, you were a part of it. You did the covers. But I wasn't part of it. I I was orbiting it. And I was doing my own things. I was doing uh, Red rains and stuff like that. Uh, Dead Man, those kind of things. And they, for, for wonderful reasons, I got to be up close to that. Because I happened to do a few covers. They liked them. I happened to do a few more. They liked them. And I just stuck around from there. It wasn't a big plan. And Denny was wonderful with that. He would just let me go. So I can only imagine, you know, I, I, I always envied the other guys before I really got to be in there because if he was doing that with me, he was doing that with them. And when I would talk Mm. to him that way, yeah, um, you it's, it's hard when someone is of that level, um, I put him in there. It would be like Lee or Kirby. He was of that level. He changed that Starenko, one of those guys that changes the form,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and um, that doesn't. I think uh, what a fortunate time because there was him and Archie Goodwin there, and everyone says, "Well, how can you know, boy? How do you? How can they equal that period of time?" I, well, you've got to find Archie and Denny. And they had this incredible ability to hear all these different opinions and distill it down to one cogent thought. Um, they trusted each other too. So, uh, and they would trust you if you came in there and you showed your willingness uh, to to listen to them. They would listen to you. Um, that's hard to do now. Uh, they they would. Sit there. I mean, I certainly had my take on Batman and Denny only kept saying, go do it more. Go for, what do you want? And I told him he asked me once uh, what what kind of influences I had towards that. What did I see it as? And I told him, you know, I said, well, I, I see it as uh, if Orson Welles directed universal horror films. And That's awesome. He dug that. He said, I've not heard that before. And he says, I'm not, I, and your work. Uh, he really, really liked the work. And he asked me, uh, not, not, in a, not in a way that it's like, why did you do something? He says, so why do you do Batman? How you draw him, why do you do him? How, what mm-hmm. is your rationale? What is, where are you coming from? And I explained to him, I said, well, I don't, I don't see him, I think, the way everyone else does. I don't see him in daylight. I don't see him in full light. I don't see him as being successful if he hits you. I know you got to do this in comics, but if he hits you, that's his last resort. He's basically, if he's fear, he's to intimidate you. So I see him, I see him as designing himself to look terrifying as a shadow or as a silhouette or as a form in a, in a darkened room. And Denny just said, that's gold. Do it. Mm -hmm. Just do that. Um, he had called me once after about a year or so and we were just talking about basic stuff uh, on how to do it and this was I guess when I was doing the nightfall covers and he was saying you have you have a charm he wouldn't really go in I, I want to say he didn't go in to explain all the you he just would speak shorthand at least to me and he says you have a charm that I really don't want to get in the way of he would give he would have he would or the uh, assistants would shorthand a lot of the cover ideas like basically batman's in a sewer or batman's doing you know facing this it was very limited stuff um and there wasn't a lot of art direction and none it was basically when it's due and so i look back on those covers uh, and I and a lot of times, guys, I didn't know what was going on in the books. They were coordinating them. Mm-hmm. You know, it wasn't like now where they can send you a scan and you can read it. It was, you know, uh, they were they were trying to coordinate several books coming out on time so it would all make sense. Nobody could be late. And um, so they would just say, we think this is happening or we think that's happening or be more symbolic here because we're not sure some changes are coming and complete trust. I didn't send any images. I would just send a finished cover. Wow. Um, And let me tell you, that's uh, I'm spoiled by that to this day because people will always say, man, how that, that, and I'm sure it's true with the other guys. That's just great stuff. I, how did that, you know, can you do that again? I go, well, to do it again, you have to stay away you have to give very limited information. And you that's scary to do. But Denny had been doing this many years. Denny had taken many chances. Denny had been successful and still not, you know, you can be very, very successful, but the next group of people are going to say, yeah, well, that was then, this is now. And Denny didn't do that. Denny said, no, you proved yourself, keep doing it.
0: If you ever and, get any pushback from new editors, do you just say, well, Denny O'Neill trusted me, uh, shut him up? I don't know. You,
1: sometimes, honestly, you don't know if they know him. Wow. Okay. You don't know. You, they, they may know that stuff, but a lot of time. well, look, in general, anyone you're talking to, you, you let them, you, you kind of see how they yeah. want to do what they do. And that mm-hmm. that's fine. But I've been asked by editors before, how did that happen? How did How did you come mm. to this? Um, because, uh, I think Archie Goodwin once had told me, uh, he, he had a very good grasp of what was going on around him. And he said, uh, he said to me once, you know, we're right now, this, this is a real golden age because this is the wild West. Anything can happen and we're going to miss this one day. And sadly he passed away not to see how right he was. It it has changed a great deal because you gotta remember in those days when they wanted to do to, to do a Batman film, they called Denny and said, Is this okay? Is this in canon? Does this work? Does this not work? It was up to Denny. Hmm. That does not happen now.
2: Yeah. And uh, you mentioned um, how creators like Denny and others achieved that mythical status. And it's important for, especially for younger readers, to, to understand that uh, it's, diff- it's a different world now. All of us, we're older guys. We grew up in a time before there was internet and there was no social media. So you, you didn't get to have contact with these people whose work you were reading for years. Whereas now, someone can pick up their first Batman comic ever tomorrow. And they can go home and read that book and they can send a tweet to Scott Snyder and five minutes later have a reply from him.
1: Yeah, that, that just, I mean, you, look, one of the things that, that I desperately miss, and it will never come back really, or it's rare if it does, is the letters page. Because oh. the letters page, it had to be considered writing, considered thinking, and it created a community within the book itself. And it was actually a more thoughtful connection to fandom and vice versa Mm -hmm. um it wasn't knee-jerk responses it was it was uh a very sincere uh love of what we do there in the books obviously by the people creating them and by the fans writing their letters being in there i think i think it it's one of the reasons I still buy old comic books when I re- want to read a run, because I want to read the energy in the letters page to the books I'm reading.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and and that that's why, you know, I can read the trades and they're fine. But they it, and nowadays you don't see that stuff, but it comes and goes. And and, and there's this. Uh, probably on the Internet, there's a more of a one upmanship with with reviews and critics as opposed to then where it would be read, considered, written, edited, uh, rewritten, and then presented. You know, there's a lot of thought mm-hmm. to it. Yeah. So there's a lot more, uh, you know, uh, with Denny, he always said, you know, it's very hard to do something special. You can't set out to do something special. You have to do something personal, which what is, you, you know, for him, it was telling stories of the things he saw around him uh, socially. Mm-hmm. And people say that like, you know, well, he was a socially conscious writer. Well, a lot of them were. A lot of them were. Uh, certainly, Steve Ditko's Spider-Man was very much that way. People kind of forget. Um, and certainly, uh, you can see that in other writers. But what Denny did that probably was different where where it went different was he started having these characters be affected more by what was going on uh, uh, the same things that were going around affected them as it did us Mm. they weren't just trying to save the world from some villain or some alien or something uh they had to deal with the same problems he didn't bog down in it. Sometimes I think nowadays they bog down in it and they've lost that because Denny still had tremendous action, tremendous, amazing stuff going on, pure comics. But he added this element to it and it to me, it made it tremendous. Um, I remember sitting at one of these functions in upstate New York and he just sort of said that throughout, he says, well, what's everyone's... favorite Batman thing and you know and they would all say something they had liked and I didn't know what to say because I wasn't as well read as all the you know obviously the writers have read everything I just I said well I only know as a fan and I said Danny I've read some of yours and I've read some of this but at that time what I really did know was Steve Englehart and Marshall Rogers Mm. so I didn't want to offend anyone but I said Steve Englehart, Marshall Rogers. And he loved that. He had no trouble with that. Uh, I said, that that really, those got to me. And he says, okay, why did those get to you? And I said, they did something I've always wondered about. I said, yeah, Batman wears all this get up and everything. But his girlfriend recognized him. Even with all that. I hmm. said, I think my wife would have recognized me if I put something on. And <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, I think she would know. <laughs> and that was really subtly intimate. Without going into what we go into now, it was subtly intimate. She, of course she would know. She'd mm. spent more time with Bruce than anybody in ways that only she could. And so she should know it. And I said, that was brilliant to me by Engelhart.
0: It's a good and, point that you make about... Um... And that kind of relates to what you were saying about the letters page. It seems like, you know, there was a time, especially during the time that he was editing books, where there was a lot more of, maybe it was because of the inability of the world to connect so immediately to each other, that this was kind of a, a source for people to come together. So it was maybe a lot more of a thoughtful process than, I feel like um, comics right now, something that's that's kind of a detriment is maybe a creator's worry of what the immediate reaction of their work will be, whether it be like the next day or night or sharing something. And then you have the entire internet talking about it, good or bad. Whereas you guys had that freedom to create something, spend time on it, really kind of soak it up before you let it out. Well,
1: it's a lonely business making them. And it typically is a lonely business reading them. I'm all by myself doing it. The writers are all by themselves doing it. You guys are usually just sitting there having a sandwich, reading them, right? Uh-huh. It isn't. It isn't a collective thing that way. Uh, so it's you, that. Are you watching me right
0: now? Yeah, I, <laughs> I can hear it. Okay. Uh,
1: but I mean, it's 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 a fairly isolated thing anyway. I think what Denny used to say to me, for example, and and I don't know if he said it to the others. I mean, I haven't really discussed it. But with me, I I think he was aware of how different I was. So. Mm. He would look at that and say, I never want you to worry about the reaction to what you do. I will take care of how we sell the book. You will take care of getting me the pages the way you want them to be. Awesome. Okay. I, at that point, um, I had said to him once, I said, well, Danny, uh, I kind of wait to be fired all the time. And he says, why <laughs> would you say that? And I said, well, I said, I think of the right way, the wrong way and my way. And, and I always choose my way. And I think that's the wrong way too. I don't know. I said, I'm i fine with it in the day when I'm doing it. I said, when I'm doing it, I think, Hey, this is fine. I said, I'm always subtly shocked when I see it come out in print. Like, wow, that is, what did I do? Oh my God. Not like, Oh, I'm great. It was like, Dear God, what have I done? I feel like I, you know, made the mo- Frankenstein monster or something. Yeah. And he laughed at that. And he said, you do know that's what I'm looking for. I'm looking for that personal thing. You're. This is the only place in comics they will get that, is what you're doing here. There are nowhere else they're going to get that. So let me worry about all those things and let me tell you you're doing fine and then he says you know setting out to do something special he will say is impossible something special just sort of happens and so the only way is you got to feel you're saying something and maybe that'll happen Uh, a few months later a year later or something he just called me up out of the blue like I had forgotten about, I mean, it's like a year later, you know, you're working, you're just trying to make deadline. And he says, Hey, I don't have time. I got to go. Uh, looked. I've been looking over something here, there. I forget what it was, whatever I was working on. He says, you've done something special. And he hung up. Wow. And I didn't say that to the other guys I didn't say it to Doug or John I didn't say anything because I didn't know how to process that that's the word now process but I didn't know how to absorb that I didn't know what to do with that um like I said I I was just doing my own thing uh I had told him once when he asked me about, he really liked these things I was doing with the cape. He just called him and said, man, I really like that. I really do. Why are you, where does that come from? What are you, you know, blah, blah, blah. And I said, I said, when I do Batman, you're in the big, long shadow of Neil Adams and I can't do what Neil does. So I got to think of something else. And he loved that because that was a commercial decision to him. Yeah, you're right. There's a lot of guys who will look like Neil. Neil is the guy. And uh, I said, so I just thought I have to come up with a different angle. Something to, if nothing else, uh, it was my old thing about, and I always said this to him. I said, it's like, if I'm going to be fired, I want to be fired on my terms, not on I couldn't achieve doing somebody else's style. Hmm. Um, There's not that energy to that. But I can go out very happily on my terms. And he said, again, he loved that because that's how he was. Um, He obviously knew how to hear us and, and our fears or frustrations and not separate himself from it because he remembered it. So if you were able to make his phone call and get into that stable. That's where he would use his power, not on us, but to protect.
0: Wow. And have you, have you ever had another boss that was like that?
1: Yeah, I have actually, but he's not at DC anymore. And he came up out of that studying under those guys. Um, he, was like Denny. He understood all of the technical stuff, but he also understood that every once in a while, there's a zeitgeist or every once in a while, there's just this magic occurs and to step back and let it happen. So it's just, they're few and far between. And it comes from the fact that they, Denny loved the form. Denny loved it. He didn't love it and protect his turf. He figured, more, you know, it isn't like there's one piece of pie, we all get a slice. He just said, Let's make more pie.
2: <laughs>
1: so he, he wasn't intimidated, he didn't have to go and ride herd on you with anything egotistical. It was nothing like that. It was like, you know, do your thing, go, guys. I mean, uh, the writers were all, I thought, fairly different individuals, all. Different perspectives, all different belief systems, all thrived under Denny. All loved Denny, and you, you there. It was, it was like uh, I don't want to say it was like um, all of them were his kids. wasn't like that, but he was like a great king, and all of his barons and dukes got along under him. That that is rare. No one was no one was feeling uh, not loved enough. No one was having their ego out of feeling that somebody else got something they didn't. He gave everyone complete control of their books. Um, And you can see it. It's why it's a it's really a little mini golden period. Because you go back and read those books under Alan and Doug and Chuck and Kelly Puckett and you know, they're wonderful. They they do hold up. And you can see why they've still influenced the, the cinema. And that is absolutely, absolutely due to Denny, and absolutely due to the fact that these were his guys, we were doing our books, we were gonna, you know, he would have like for me I didn't I I would not know all these little things I had once said to Doug that I desperately wanted to do Mr. Freeze and I told and Doug says well why Mr. Freeze and I said well because it's scary what he does is really frightening and I would like to make him um, uh, you know freezing someone to death is pretty awful and Uh, I want to kind of update him somewhat to be more formidable and, and kind of play up that thing with him that he, that he does this awful thing. And he says, well, Denny hates Mr. Freeze because it you know, he was goofy from the Adam West. Yeah. And you just don't see it under that. So I don't, I don't think that's going to happen. He says, but I'll tell you what, if you can get Denny to agree to it, I'm all on board. And, He's, and I said, well, do you have any advice? He says, uh, you better tell him why. Uh, I mean, passionately tell him why, not just it's cool. It's neato. <laughs> so I thought about it, and I called him, and Denny said, uh, you know, what do you have in mind? I said, well, I don't have a story in mind. I just have this thing in mind. Uh, I said, Doug gave me an outline that he would do, and... Uh, he says, well, how many, How what, what are you talking about? Because, and he went launched into how stupid Mr. Freeze was.
2: <laughs> oh my and, God. And, and, you're, and you're in your own head saying, don't say Nito, don't see Nito, don't see yeah, Nito. Just, just,
1: just, just, you know, okay. On so, a side note, Mr. Freeze is my favorite, so this is great. Okay, so I tell him, I said, this this thing I want to do is that I want to redesign him uh, and make him more kind of gothic and gotham and not not look like uh the way he was. I want him I want to get across how awful it is what it is he does to people. I think it's pretty horrific. Um and I just I said I want to make him a I got a real thing to make him one of the better of the Rogues galleries because he's not been in the game for a long time. I and he says, well Doug wants to do three issues. There's no way that's gonna happen. And I went, well, that's a chink in the armor. He didn't just say, no. I said, well, it could, okay. I said, well, I'm sure Doug could maybe a two-parter. He says, no, I don't I don't even think I want a two-parter. If I let you do this, it will be a one-parter. And if I do, if I do, you're not allowed to ask me for any more of this stuff for one year.
2: <laughs> and, wow. I said,
1: and I said, okay, okay. Deal.
2: I'm gonna I think, use that on
0: my wife if I allow her to do one crazy one thing, thing. One year, I get so, one year reprieve.
1: I had to send him. I had to send him a design, which I did. I had the design in mind. <laughs> uh, Doug said he is not happy with this, but he's letting us do that. And he says, "I want you to know you're gonna have to really kill it on this. It's just you know, I'm okay. I'm just the writer. I'm doing what my." nutty artist wants to do but you're gonna have to really kick some butt on this uh because he's doing this for you wow and i went okay shit (laughs) Um, (laughs) i just wanted to draw and so anyway we do it it came out it was a big hit and it worked out probably for the best that it was only a one shot right you only saw him for that and that was it um it was a spectacular success uh and he allowed for mr freeze to come back he told me that's one of the reasons he hires people is that they can do this and and uh, i told him you know uh
0: it was a test
1: it was a it was just i thanked him he um doug had wanted to use swamp thing and there was kind of a prohibition about allowing the vertigo characters into the dcu Mm. And I had come out of, it wasn't Vertigo then, but I came out of that stable, you know, doing Dead Man and Swamp Thing and Sandman and stuff. And I knew all those people. And I said, well, I'm friends with them. Why would they not? And Danny said, well, I'll give Karen a call. And if she says no, it's no. And I said, oh, all right. And. uh, Come on, Karen. Yeah. And he called back and Mm. says, hey, Karen, trust, totally trust you to do it. And he says thank you because that's a good connection to have. I, uh, being connected back up to that is good. I I I, I like that range again. Um, so in that regard, he wasn't willing to. He I mean he wasn't willing to just say yes, uh, but he was willing to say yes if you came to him with the passion of this, with the mm-hmm. sincerity of it, and. And I, you know, I didn't beg. I just said, "Well, if it's no, it's no." But man, this will be really great. And after that, he did trust me. I mean, he trusted me up to that point. But with those kind of things, right. you he know. trusted
0: you even more with things that he had yeah. his t- hesitation um, about.
1: He did. He he allowed. Um, you know, Doug had always really liked how I did Deadman and Batman and Deadman go together like you know chocolate and peanut butter. So. Mm uh he totally was in for was up for that um i never really i think there's only one time i really fanboyed on him because it was <laughs> it was one of those things where it's tough and it was a story he had done with marshall rogers um uh, i think it was called one stroke to midnight or something like that and it was in a batman special or a detec- detective 481 i think Anyway, I just went on and on and on. I said, I called him up and I had some time. And I said, Danny, do you have a minute? Because I I had just read this story again. And he says, sure. What's it about? And I said, well, I want to ask you about a story you once did. And he says, oh, God, is this a (laughs) you want to is this one of those like I'm going to be interviewed? I now don't have time or something like that. (laughs) And I said, well, look, I got to know. I just read this and it is. I think one of the great Batman stories, I know everyone talks about other stuff and rightfully so, but this is my favorite one because it ends on this powerful, amazing page and it leads you to it, but it's just powerful and um, beautifully written, beautifully drawn. And he, you know, I told him how when I had met Marshall Rogers as a kid, Marshall had, Just I had said something like that then. It it, at that point it had just come out, and eventually later on, um, I got a page from that book, and it was the page that when I was a boy he had pulled out to explain storytelling, and how comic writing and art gel, and the da 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 da, how it all comes together. And I said, Danny, it was one of your it was your story. And he was, he, then it went to tell me, oh, what did he say? And I said, well, he told me how the, uh, you know, how the action, how he set this up, how what you wrote, he wanted to punch those points. He wanted you to look at certain things that you had written, not that you had described, but the point of what you'd written. And he, and he was very touched by this. It was more than I just like a scene or i like a book and it means i was like the real uh scholarly breakdown that marshall had done i had never forgotten and i love the story anyway so at that point he he told me what he could remember and it was a wonder and he said hey that was really nice um that was a good thing so i never you know that always has stayed with me that It was, it was at that point, it wasn't one of his artists. It was just, I had a, again, it's that front row seat I was saying, I was able to call the guy and have it go back and forth and, uh, spend about 20 minutes, 30 minutes talking about this.
0: Yeah. Amazing.
1: It is. It is.
0: I, uh, I got to take it back a minute to your Mr. Freeze. Um, because, that is absolutely my favorite version of Mister Freeze across anything is your Mister Freeze, Thanks. and uh, I'm holding the an issue of uh, Batman five twenty five right now, with Mister um, Freeze uh, gripping Batman's throat, um, and it says here uh, signed uh, the artist is signed Lil Lil K Big J. Yeah. So yeah. is that is that your rap name?
1: No, what it happened. Uh, uh, it It was a slang because John Beatty's a big guy. and and I mean, he's a big football player size big. And uh, beyond his amazing talent, he's really, really, really funny. And he would always make fun of me because he was freakishly big. And he would just call me little Kel all the time. Awesome. And I'd go, Well, you know, I'm five nine. I'm I'm not giant, but I'm not tiny. And he goes, he says, to me, you're little. And he could, you know, he's six over six feet and gigantic. Um, so anyway, it just started as slang, and he would just he would just say that a lot, whether to me or in the office or whatever. So I had just written it one time. I didn't think he would keep it as a signature. That's hilarious. Um, but it 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 got it was uh that's how comfortable it was to be there
0: yeah and inside joke on the cover
1: yeah yeah and and they're all through i mean there's all kinds of little things that john would drop working with doug and john was a tremendous pleasure because there really was this uh, doug was very aware of the fact that how fortunate we were and he always had said um you know, one of these days are going to connect all the books up again because of how successful Nightfall and Night Quest that whole thing was. So we got to take advantage of the fact that we're really 95 percent left alone in Batman. So we can yeah. tell these one shots. And I, I've always felt pretty good about that because uh, standalone stuff like what we were doing, that's a good jumping on point to someone. You know, mm-hmm. you could tell more intimate, internal stories of Batman Um, you don't, you don't have to be, uh, controlled by bigger forces. It's just Batman dealing with the situation of that issue. So Doug was very aware of it and very protective of it. And, um, and he had a great relationship with Denny. They, they did trust one another. And I think it's because Doug did Master of Kung Fu, which I think was probably one of Denny's all time favorite comic books and um so they so they and he was a big fan of doug in general doug doug was one of those writers denny liked in that he could take anything i remember denny saying something to me along those lines that you could give doug anything and you'd get something really really much better than you expected back and i remember telling him i said or telling doug i said you know he said that to me and i have to admit one of my favorite comics Uh, certainly from the 70s, is the two years he did with Herb Trimpey on Godzilla.
0: Hmm.
1: They're terrific reads. Probably a better Avengers or a better shield than you saw in the other comics were done in Godzilla. And uh, other people would chuck that off. Denny noticed that because that's the blue-collar nature of Denny. Very literary man, very, very sharp, educated man, very blue collar. So comics are a business. Somebody's got to write that book. Doug took the challenges, and he deeply admired that. Um, I, I you know, I didn't know any of that stuff. Yeah, everyone wants to write, say, Spider-Man or Thor or some Doug said, yeah, any, everyone, give me the one nobody wants.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And he would be writing Fantastic Four and Thor and all those, but he would also be writing these things. And they're wonderful. And uh, Doug's history with Denny goes back to those days. So they they were aware of one another that way and became very good friends. Um, And I had learned never to really kind of take advantage of any of that. You know, I didn't, you just sort of, when you're in the lap of people like that, you you try to shut up and learn and, and just realize that these people, um, I mean, they clearly were very, very sharp people, but they understood that comics at their very heart have to be fun and they have to do something and say something and, uh, but have that myth to them. I, probably if there's a thing that's kind of missing now, a lot is myth. Um, they're probably too relatable, but in those days, uh, there was, there was a real, there was a thing that always come down. Remember, uh, D- Denny would have these certain things. Some were funny, like there's no traffic jams in Gotham. Um, he didn't want to see traffic jams. Just Batman gets where he does in his Batmobile. Cause he just hits the right times. Um, Others were he wanted some pushing of that myth, that myth of Batman that, you know, and that's very invigorating. It's also daunting at the same time. Denny used to throw a lot of things out there like that, you know, that would be you'd feel good about it, but it would be scary at the same time because he wasn't asking you to do something he couldn't do. He didn't say uh, he never fell back on his successes he would fall back on his efforts you know i had to get this done overnight i got to you know he wasn't asking you to do something he knew could not be done so when i would get the call that you know nine o'clock in the morning i'd be told we need a we need a cover um we need a cover tomorrow no and that was in the days no scanning. You had to FedEx it and get it to Oh, my God. So he would call and say, whatever you do, we'll take it. Here's what it is. Or one of the assistants would say that. So I would drop what I was doing and draw a cover. Jeez. Start to finish and have to be done, because uh, I was on West Coast, have to be done by three so i could drive it in and make it by three thirty to get it to them i mean that's mm-hmm. when it, that's when the close-off was was <laughs> so i used to um uh, i i hey i felt fortunate once because i found that there was a hub a few miles away that would pick up at, that you could go till four thirty, and that added a whole hour yeah. <laughs> so that happened several times on those you know everyone goes oh those are iconic covers I, <laughs> I was in absolute 20 minutes yeah i mean i <laughs> hey nine o'clock uh i knew i had six hours seven hours maybe And to think of an idea draw the idea ink the idea and get it out wow and well, but denny denny had been through that doug had been all of them had been through it so no one's gonna say you're a hero they would just say hey you know we'll try to get you a little more time but right now it has to be done. It has to go out. We have to get it so it can be cut. And a lot of times they had in-house coloring. So, you know, they would remember it, but that's the way it went.
0: That was just part of the, part of the gig.
1: Uh, there's a lot of charm to it there. I look, I, I, uh, when you're young and you can do, I mean, three years on Batman, I did 36 issues on time in three years. um, and it was always understood, like Danny would always say to me, well, that's, that's comic book art. Mm. Uh, the, anything else is illustration to him. And it can be wonderful, but it's illustration because if a guy takes three months to draw 10, 12 pages,
0: mm-hmm.
1: that doesn't do him any good. But he can admire it. But to him, he loved it when a guy could do something, a cut above, and get it in. 22 and a cover in a month he you would be appreciated for that Mm -hmm. um he would tell me he he would call me from time to time just see how i was doing he says hey by the way x y and z in an issue that was really i mean i remember i did a steam engine in something uh rather than modern train i just did i figured hey you know it's gotham you can do that and he was really impressed with the amount of detail i put into this thing in a monthly book He says, you don't cheat. And I went, I I didn't, you know, mine is an insecurity. I want to put in as much as I can because, you know, Mm. that's what you do. But he was, you don't cheat. You can, you're, you don't have to do that. Um, I would do these things where I'd make Gotham look almost European in areas. He loved that because he says, yeah, it's an old city. You make it clear it's not New York. Uh Gotham is its own thing. Uh once I put like a old windmill in the background and I said, Well, you know, the Dutch maybe were there once. And he laughed. He says, That's he says, Who would think like that? That's I love stuff like that. So you were very supported. And he, you know, clearly he's doing that with everybody. It isn't like he singled me out. That's just who he was. Um, to this day I'll have people at DC remark on these things and I always think God, now with Denny's passing I mean I think well that's how it happened hmm. you know that's why it happened there was a guy there who'd go to the wall for you but he was the wall at the same time
0: yeah do you think that there's um I mean I I guess just hearing you talk about it it makes it make much more sense in my head now I'm looking at um on the rack some covers by you and also Norm Breifogel and how yep. you talked about there was times when um, you guys didn't have a lot of close contact and you're doing covers. And so, you know, you would just be given an idea and you'd have to kind of on your own expand on that idea um, with maybe little knowledge of what the overall story had in mind. But I'm looking at these covers specifically, you know, yours and Norm's. And the thing I noticed is that like the, it's a it's a snapshot of just a like maybe a moment or like a quick, you know. It's a it's a cover of literally like if it was a film, it wouldn't even be a full like, um, like millisecond or something of a film. But but this one moment that is the cover has so much detail and depth in it that you're not cramming all this story. You're literally like putting this image as the most detailed kind of you know, breathy thing that you can make it. Do you, do you think that was because of the freedom that you had to rather than try to cram? Okay. What's the story? What's the plan? What's the plot? And you, know, you just kind of were allowed to kind of just go and be free on the page with the one or two things that you decided to put on it.
1: I think that's a very true judgment. Yes. And I think that, that that's essentially, if I were to say it, it's one part, what you just said, and one part fear, because time was there. You, you could not go back and change something. So you better do something you really want to see and do. At the same time, you got to sell the book. So a lot of times um, when you do it, you, you don't have time in those days and in that period. I didn't have a lot of time to sit and do sketches. There, I didn't. I would draw directly on the page. I would sit there and think about it. You hang up the phone. They would say, uh, he's fighting so-and-so. He's doing this thing, whatever it is. And I didn't know the stories because, to be honest, guys, they were they were still trying to put them where they were supposed to be. They were editing those stories. The more important thing was to make sure those artists on on the line books doing the monthlies were um, getting the materials they needed. A cover guy is, uh, you know, and you knock it out for me. I don't think there's a cover I did that did not from start to finish be knocked out in an afternoon you could you couldn't you couldn't spend that much time on it so you ran on the energy of an exciting idea that would come to you um that amount of freedom is wonderful it only comes from a guy who trusts you though yeah and and he knew he knew enough to allow for that to happen he knew there were things i wasn't i wouldn't be really crazy about and there were times i would call him and say look i'm I don't know. Am I doing any? I I, I didn't want to compliment. It's not fishing. I'm just. I was saying to him, I'm doing all my regular work. Do you feel I'm burning out or something? I I don't know. And he would he would say no. And he would talk about like how we are now. He would say, this image here or that moment there. Do you know we're using these things for other, for for uh, in marketing? And I didn't know. I mean, you don't know, and you don't. I go. Oh well, okay. He said. Um, but because he knew I wasn't calling for a compliment I was just going look don't let me embarrass myself out there you know if I'm doing something stupid say so um and he would say if uh if you were I would tell you if you were I would rein you in right now I'm pushing you out uh, Archie Goodwin was very similar if I call you there's a problem if you don't hear from me you're you're knocking me out hmm And I went, good. And then occasionally when Archie would call, I'd freak out, you know? (laughs) Uh, And it would be, no, I'm just saying hello. Do you need anything? You know? I said, yeah, but you told me. If you call, it's a problem. So, um, (laughs) but a lot of times it was, uh, a lot of people say they want freedom. They don't. They want a lot of direction. They want a lot of input. They want a lot of, what do you think? They 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 are afraid to go out there just with this, whatever they do. Um, and I think that that's probably true because you'll repeat yourself a lot. You'll just fall into what it is you want to do all the time. A lot of covers start becoming homogenous because of that. I still think um, the trick on a, on a great cover is that when you go into the store and there's 5 million books on it, it stands out. And that's the only way to do it. A lot of them now, uh, I think comics, Danny was always big on the heavy graphic nature of stuff. Obviously he measured everything by Neil Adams. That's, I mean, duh. Mm -hmm.
0: Um,
1: He measured everything by, by Neil. So when I came in there, uh, I had a lot of ink on my work. A lot of darks. He dug that. He could see because he said oh, it's graphic. A uh, good Archie Goodwin would say that to me. He says, it's, it's really graphic. You don't, you don't do cartoon, uh, coloring books. You do, there's, there's, you feel like you can get into that and stuff. And they understood that was a lot more work, you know, um, for, for me and for John, it's a lot more work, but, or uh, Denny would, when I saw Denny, In 2013 or 14, whenever uh, he presented myself and Graham Nolan and Chuck Dixon with Inkpot Awards, Uh, and we were on a panel with him discussing this very period. And it was, God, I don't know, 2,000 people in a room, and they have millions of questions about this stuff, and Denny was handling it great. And in the middle, he presents these things, and it knocked us out because we weren't expecting that. And what made it so good for Denny was it was like he was getting it too, because we were all his choices. And we were getting something like this. He had told me afterwards I was he I was saying a lot of the things we're talking about. And he said,, um, you know, he had said, I knew, he says, when you when he, he would say, he mentioned a few issues like we are the Mr. Freeze or whatever. Dead Man, uh, there was this one with Man Bat he really, really liked. A Joker and Demon one he really liked. I remember him calling over those, saying how much he liked them. And he said, I knew then that these would stand the test of time. He says, you can't, it's, you don't want to call someone and say that at the time. Because it's, you know, then it just comes off as hyperbole. He says, but we can say this now, you know, it's it's 10, 12 years later. It stands the test of time. Does it? I, you know, Denny said so, so I guess, but Denny said it. And he isn't a guy who just throps out compliments. He will be very polite. He was always very polite. He was always very gracious. Didn't really throw the compliments around. And not because it was just, you know. It got to stand the test of time and uh that was a powerful thing actually that that meant more to me than the award if you want to know the truth
0: hmm. yeah i mean it's it's uh he wasn't wrong and you mentioned um a good cover or a good comic is one that stands out against the rest and uh yours scared the shit out of me when i was a kid <laughs> so it was well, like oh my universe.
1: god yeah. i Look, I am working with people at DC now who say just what you are saying. Who edit these things?
0: Yeah. They
1: say the exact same thing. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I will take a bow, but the man who hired me saw that. Yeah, and, and I you... didn't say I didn't say I am going to go in there with that objective. Uh-huh. He knew what that was doing, and he he. It's imp- when someone says do a thing, it's impossible to do it. When someone says be yourself, that's easy.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: and he would just say be yourself i've been fortunate um when i got dead man barbara kiesel said something like that to me when i got sandman karen berger said that to me maybe it's a part of that company uh at the time and when denny got there he did it in in a way where it was even probably more forceful because he wouldn't just say it he would say do it would be uh, you go further with it. I remember right. there was a scarecrow story he loved. A uh, big honor of my life is that I just had, uh, about a year or so ago, did a uh, oh, yes. mini-series, The Kings of Fear.
0: Right. Mm-hmm.
1: And Denny loved that story. He he felt that could have been right from those days. And it was it was it could come out now. Enough to where he blurbed it. I believe it's his last blurb he gave. Wow. Um, But he read it, he dug it, he was tremendously impressed by it, and had said to me and said to Scott Peterson, the writer, that it was the single best Batman Scarecrow story to him. Uh, I know. Look, I know.
2: To to, to have someone that uh, instrumental and influential on... uh the The course that Batman took since the late sixties uh is a big thing like i I had never considered this before, but oh <laughs> someone's getting a yeah. oh
1: it's clear now
2: okay cool <laughs> um i I had never considered this before, but it seems a little more poignant now that we've lost him um you can sort of look at these eighty one years that Batman has been around as the Danny O'Neill watch of Batman because if, if you look into dates, uh the the cover date anyway on Detective Comics twenty seven was May nineteen thirty nine and yeah. Danny O'Neill was born in May nineteen thirty
1: nine. Well there's there's always those things, huh? He's Batman. Yep, it's... there's those things. Um uh, Doug Manchin once told me that his lucky number was twenty three. Mm-hmm. And I told him, "Well, I was born on the 23rd." Oh. So there was always these weird things. One of the great things of those guys—Alan Grant, uh, Doug Minch, Denny O'Neill—was they all came from that. Uh, they all came from a similar time, similar background, similar experiences. And though Alan was from Scotland, and Doug was from Chicago, and Danny from the Midwest, they all had that same generation. So they all spoke to each other in that same kind of slang. Yet they had no trouble with Chuck, who was younger. I'm younger. I didn't. uh, We just sort of sat there and they had no trouble communicating with us. So. um, I was always I was always very influenced by these guys that way that I would do the same thing. You just sort of. Listen to it, and you do it, and and uh, collaborate. They were big on collaboration. Um, very strong opinions, but always would listen. Uh, if you could, if you, if you broke a rule, you better damn well succeed. Mm. But there was always this thing: we'll be very disappointed if you don't try to break a rule. Hmm. And I remember Danny saying stuff like that. He says, you break a, l-. there was one time, uh, <laughs> a couple of times I would do stuff and I know he would be confused by it because I would forsake storytelling for the impact of something. And Danny was always very big on storytelling, clearly. And he would call and I wouldn't know I was being interrogated. He would say, Hey, this page here where you did this and this, um, blah, blah, blah. And you would just talk about it. And I would say, Oh, Danny, this is the reason, you know, I this and I think that worked. You would go, okay. And then later on, I would hear, that's his way of knowing. I knew what I wasn't, I was an idiot. <laughs> it was okay. I broke a rule. He'd tell the colorist, straighten it out, make it clear, tell the Doug, make sure there's a balloon or not a balloon, something like that. But he agreed. The ultimately, uh These things are emotional. We create emotionally. We receive it emotionally. It's the old Ray Bradbury thing. He was bought into that. And you have to have someone reading it feel that, wow, that emotion. If it's like you, you know, very grateful, if it scared the hell out of you, good. Uh, Because Batman is to be that way. I don't know if Batman has been as scary as that period because Doug wrote him that way. Denny was a big adherent to that. I naturally fell into it because I uh, I wanted to make Batman that much more of an independent comic book character. Mm-hmm. Then I mean, you always hear, oh, well, he's a man who just does regular things," and da da da. I go, "Well, that maybe," or he's you know psychotic or no? I did. I didn't really buy into any of that. You know, I didn't buy into that. I used to buy into um, how it would affect me. Denny, that was another thing I remember talking to him about and Doug as well. And I used to say, well, I don't go about it that way. Like if I were Batman, but I do go about it if he was after me Mm. and that I could deal with. So um,
0: that's why no one has made a Batman as scary as yours to answer your question.
1: i maybe because i don't i don't care about his boots (laughs) you know i don't care about those things i i I think that that would bog me down um but i do think in terms of uh this shape from hell that's come to you know punish me
0: yeah you know it's um it's funny because i'm rereading um salem's lot right now by stephen king as i am too no way yes ah well and it's it's uh the way that stephen king um is describing ben mears uh walking through the house yep and that's very much like your perception of or the reader's perception of your batman with you know uneasiness it's a it's a house it's an old house but it's an unfamiliar house. It's a scary house that has history. So someone walking through it, you know, none being unsure of what they're coming up against. That's kind of how your Batman is, is where, you know, like a guy down an alley midnight, you know, hears something looks up and he sees like a flutter and he, but he can't really quite figure out what's going on. And all of a sudden this freaking monster is on top of him. Um,
1: it's that's, that's it. No one should feel comfortable around him. Oh, maybe only Alfred yeah <laughs> uh, but everyone else is uncomfortable around him and as any great actor he stays in character he's not uh, I always used to sit there and roll my eyes no he's not this psychotically driven guy who can't get over da 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 da, da. he doesn't he doesn't want it to happen to anyone else yeah. uh, The feeling what happened to him was too much uh, he got over it, but he doesn't want anyone else to feel that. And that mm-hmm. is what drives him to me, what made him angry, which would make him not relive the moment that happened to him, blah, blah, blah. It was to stop it from happening again. Um, and at that point, I, I used to, look, we would all sit around and talk about this. Everyone had really great takes on Batman. I always used to do a very stripped down Batman, you know, a lot of distortion. um and your point's well taken that it was uh i wanted i wanted it to look like um for that reason i wanted the book to look like a batman book whether he was on a page or not
0: Mm.
1: uh gotham became a character to me so you'd have these almost european looking to really modern area to people using a hook and ladder phone to people using a computer it just it all works and that's all very much a part of the atmosphere. You also wanted to never know if a fist was going to come out from behind something. Yeah. You know, Doug used to really work on those things. Um, Doug used to also say to me, and under and again, Denny's approving all this stuff. And Doug used to say, Well, we don't have to do yet another joker batman da 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 how about a crazy mailman you know just a nut job yeah. mailman and i thought okay and those are the ones surprisingly that i still get asked to about the most are these oddball one-offs denny loved the oddball one-offs because it reminded him of those 40s books
0: mm.
1: which he really dug and uh you know, and with Doug, it would just be, well, I have this mailman that's really pissing me off, so I'm going to have Batman take him out in this issue. <laughs> that was his thing. And it was. A bad guy would leave stuff out or he never, you know, awful mailman he had. So it was, it comes from those places. But I used to love things like that. Um, I was lucky enough. Oh, and that's uh, FedExing those covers. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I used to... uh Once I got to, you know, to to speak well of FedEx, once they got to know me, um, if I called them, they would try to slow, they would kind of drag their feet a little bit until the last minute, uh, which was very kind of them. Um, Because I remember going in there and I I didn't have the box, but I had the cover and I was just praying to God they had the, the oversight box for it. Because it was at a hub place, and they're not really a where they have the materials. Guy went out to one of the truck. They didn't, and he went out to one of the trucks. He says, "What is this?" And I and I, he was looking at it while I was getting the box already and filling out the form. And I said, "It's for Batman, uh, uh, one of the Nightfall issues, or, or early on a Detective Comics, I think." and he really and at that point it the word got around mm. that he says here's our number da, da 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 call if you're gonna really if you think you can make it we'll drag our feet and get it out and i only had to do that a few times but i really appreciated it um now you know you stick it in a scanner off it goes yeah. but a, a lot of the editors a lot of the editors that go back to that time really miss the excitement of getting a box and opening it up. It was like Little Christmas.
0: Because
1: mm. there'd be, you know, ten pages, five pages, whatever however many pages that came in. And uh it was very exciting for him.
0: Did uh, did Denny ever request you like add something or a character or did he ever have something that he like loved? the first time. So he's like, you guys got to do that again. Like I, I got to have you guys put that back in there again.
1: Um, for him, it would, there would be little things like he really liked. Uh, I remember him saying to me, he really liked my Batmobile.
0: Oh, he
1: really liked it. And he liked it because, uh, again, one of his little interrogations, um, I really wanted to, like I said, a strip down, down Batman and as little Robin, if no Robin is possible because I just wanted Batman stories.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And so I said, well, I made it a one seater. So Robin couldn't be in it. And, <laughs> and I said, and I made it like an old formula one because they're smaller, right? They can get down the streets, down the narrow alleys. Um. And I, so I'm explaining all this stuff to him and he just really liked that He said i that that's cool I, I you know one of those things where here's this guy and he's lauded for you know these socially conscious things and he's telling me you know I really dig your 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 batmobile this this little formula one 1935 looking racing car mm-hmm. um there was another time I remember i never got an answer for it uh doug wrote something where uh detective bullock is eating a jelly donut or a cream donut i forget now and denny came in and said no i want it if it was a cream donut he wanted jelly if it was jelly wanted cream i can't remember which but he wanted it changed i never understood it doug we used to laugh about it because uh it had to go back and be changed in the inks and no yeah. one understood that I I never really got an answer. I didn't press it, you know, Hey, okay. I mean, there's worse things to be corrected on. Um, <laughs> but Doug never let Denny forget it. We would go out. We'd be up to New York and Doug would order like, it, I think a cream donut then or something. Uh, and then bring it up to Denny. Um, but I, a lot of times it was those kind of things. He, he was very sad when the fourth, year came with doug and i had been working and he he loved this idea uh doug and i had come up with this little character you see in the background and he's like doing a marionette of batman and we were going to our fourth year um our fourth year was going to be uh explaining that you know that was going to be our our kind of our last year anyway we in our heads what we were thinking uh because that's a long run and at least for me i i you miss a lot of holidays in life when you're making 22 in a cover every month. Um, So we were going to do that, but what had happened was, and you could kind of tell the shift in the wind, it had come down that, you know, here we had gotten this all ready to go. It's going to be our magnum opus. And Denny had to say, look, I'm sorry guys, but uh, you can sort of do that. But now all the books have to be tied together. And I knew I wouldn't really thrive in that environment, not to knock anybody else. It's just, if I do something, I like to start it and finish it. You know what I mean? Not take number part two of a five-part thing or something like that. And there's a certain integrity to what we were doing. So, But I understood the commercial nature of it. I understood the whole thing. And I said, Denny, let me think about it. And Denny knew I was going to say, I was going to go, but he knew I was being polite. I didn't want to say, yeah, I'm out of here. I just, you know, it was like, thank you very much for letting me play with this football. Mm. And he knew that was coming. And he knew when I called him a day or so later, you know, I called Doug and everything. And he agreed. They, they asked if I would stay. He says, well, we'll try, but it just wasn't the same for me. And, uh, and I'm glad because those three years really stand up. And I owe Doug and I owe Denny for that. I mean, You can't just sit and take in all that credit. You've got to go, a lot of people were behind this, the production, all these things. And I don't want to sound like an Oscar acceptance, but it's a lot (laughs) of people there. But it comes from the top saying, you know, and I realized Denny protected me for all those years and would have still. But those three years and it's never went back to that, you know. It's never went to standalones. They're all still kind of connected. They all still have a shared thing. Um, so uh, when that came, I knew it was over. I was cool with that, and I've always I'd, I've always felt good about if if I'm t- really known for anything, it'll be those three years, and that's fine.
0: I mean, you're you're known for more than just that. I think you know. Um, just hearing you talk about this stuff, I. Think back to Swamp Thing. I think back to Dead Man. Um, you know, you even had some Star Wars work recently, didn't you? Yeah. Um, so it's it, what, what what kind of baffles me is you know hearing you talk about Danny O'Neill. Obviously, you know his his standard for a while was Neil Adams, right? That was his Batman. Yeah. But but the fact that he uh, picked you and then trusted you, who has such a distinct style, so much different than than like you know the anatomy of what neil adams was doing right um and that he get, he allowed you to kind of not just like do it but oh i like i like your style just go even further into that style yeah. the, we as fans are really lucky for it because you know we don't have other guys like you that are kind of currently doing it you're you're one of the guys that kind of links us back to you know like the universal monsters kind of feeling well, i of... always
1: look at and i appreciate all that i mean that is part of it I'm, I'm aware of it i i always look at it this way i try to compete personally but not with where i'm at now or or the current thing i always look at it what my favorite period in comics was yeah but i have gotten a job from jor orlando you know could i have gotten would i have made the cut during those periods of some pretty amazing people, I don't know, but I always think you know, in, in my time of being knocked out, Busema, Gil Kane, Staranko, uh, you had Bernie Wrightson, you had Mike mm-hmm. Klug, you had uh, go on and on of just incredible people, Gene Colin, um. All of those people really made their mark on me. Wally Wood, Steve Ditko, Jack Kirby. You can go on. They're all very different guys. None of them called themselves stylists. They were comic book artists. And they had their way of doing it. No one was looking and saying, good or bad. They always used to say, good or bad, you want people to know who it's you. hmm and the reason that is is if uh if something good happens this is the only place they'll get it and that's probably why denny would say things like that to me Mm -hmm. um i've you know when i sadly i've lost a lot of these people i've lost bernie and len and denny now in the last three years it's a lot to lose and uh Len had Len Wein was every bit as terrific and as you know, in his way, as an important editor, too. I mean, just his work with Swamp Thing, uh, his just his endless creativity. Uh, but he always used to say he'd end every phone call with me by saying, Now, remember, this is supposed to be fun, <laughs> you know um but we would and he was a very different personality than than denny um very gregarious very loud love to you know he's a guy if i said hey tell me about this he would go on and tell me mm. and i miss that um i i have been extremely fortunate to have worked with these guys uh the swamp things If there's a Sadness uh, Swamp Thing, uh, many I had done with him had been so successful for DC and surprised me because it went more to Lynn's view of uh, it's Alec Holland still. It's not a thing that remembers Alec Holland. It is Alec Holland. And DC had commissioned us to do a a regular monthly series with it. But then he had become so ill uh and eventually passed not long after that but he went out knowing that it that something he had done had been picked up as a monthly and Mm. he had you know I'll, i'll always have to think he had to have known something was coming because he called me up about two or three months before he died and i knew he was very ill um I mean, I you don't know that's coming, but I knew he was very ill, and uh, he says, you know, I want. He was talking about obviously what he would like to do, and as winding it up, he says, you know, every day I will say I've I've had fun doing comics, but but I've not had this much fun doing a comic uh, in twenty five years as the one I'm doing with you these last this last year or so
0: hmm.
1: and that was at that point it was uh you know it was when he died I knew why he said that he must have heard something they must have told him hmm. and I think that's like I said it was very rough when Bernie called me to finish Frankenstein because he was retiring um I knew that meant something else
0: Hmm.
1: So it's been a weird last couple of years because these are all really, uh, I, I, uh, I miss them, but boy, if, if there's a thing I was lucky about guys, it was, I got to work with them.
0: Oh yeah. Yeah. And we, we appreciate all the stories and, and, uh, and the look at it because this is really for us, it's something that we don't get because, you know, we have the opportunity through you to be able to hear the stories and the the experiences that you had on a personal level. I mean, we love their art. We love the things that they did, and we cherish it. But, you know, it's, it's great to hear so many beautiful things and memories that you are able to kind of carry with you and share with us now. It makes it a little bit easier, you know, knowing that... Yeah, well, um,
1: it kind of goes on, that's why. And, look, um, a headstone is what all of us get for these guys it's on your bookshelf yeah so yeah. that's where they are bookshelf. <laughs> Yeah. that's where they are yeah and that's where they that's where they ultimately uh want to be
0: yeah and it's it's
1: so when they're on yeah. our bookshelves because there will always be bookshelves you know yeah i think i think uh you know, one of those things that that a big reason I took Batman as a monthly was I knew no matter what I did, good or bad, indifferent, that would be whatever it is. But I did know that 150, 200 years from now, there'll still be, the, pop culture being what it is, there'll be a book on Batman and they'll, it might be in that book.
0: Oh, hell yeah, so definitely. That's why. 100%.
1: Um character's been 80 years and he's stronger than ever now mm-hmm. so uh and, and i'm granted that's due to new media new s- cinema and whatnot but uh as cool as all those things are nothing is as cool or as eccentric or as personal or as exciting as the comics
0: mm-hmm.
1: and and for people who watch the movies who don't read the comics they'll never get it the same way they it will not hit them the same way
0: you yeah. know um, we do want to respect your time. You've been—I just realized how long we've had you on, um, Kelly. Thank you so much for taking the time with us to talk about your experiences with Denny. Um, like I said, it was just a, its its great because it helps people to kind of um, grieve a little bit easier and also kind of look back at his not just his work but also the man that he was and what he kind of passed on to you guys as the next generation after him. And how you guys are still kind of permeating all that through today. Um, so we really appreciate it.
1: Thank you very much. Yeah. Thank you. Look, I, I guys. All day, Kelly. It, it, not just because I knew him. It hits. It hit everybody. Right. Um, it's different when I le- read Leonard Bernie. It's different now when I read Danny. I mean, it's all the same.
0: Yeah.
1: There's that fan part of me that. uh that it probably even hits harder because they're not, they're just not here anymore.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: you know, an era has now passed. Yeah. Um, a guy went from this exciting young Turk to an established master to one of the great editor teachers of all time. Every single category, you have to put him in the top five
0: yeah definitely
1: Definitely. and i just sit there i just tell my wife the other day i can't believe my good fortune of working with these people Mm. much less getting to know them but just getting to be near them
0: yeah and um we appreciate again you sharing it with us and being able to kind of let us be the the ears to your story
1: thank you very much
0: absolutely um how are you doing, by the way, with I, it's funny because over the last couple of uh, months, we've all learned what it's like uh, to work as a comic book artist, kind of.
1: Yes, you have, haven't you? <laughs> yeah. Yes, you have. Look, for me, it was trying to console my family. You know, hey, this is what I do all the time. It's yeah. me and the cats, you know. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, look, where I'm at, it's it's about 95 cent, percent back you can go places you can do stuff in fact they've but i'm in it's kind of the more rural counties in california
0: mm-hmm.
1: so the last uh few weeks it's it's i mean people are going to the rivers and the lakes and they're going you know yeah you, you you can you know something's going on but it's not it's not the same but for those three months or so it was pretty tough on them uh yeah. but and i can imagine for everyone else i mean uh Uh, I I was kind of. I mean, I wasn't making fun of them for being weak or anything, but it's like, God, (laughs) this is is all I've. I I, I've missed a few Thanksgivings, people.
0: Yeah, yeah we we all got the uh, we all got insight into a different world that that you guys have been living this whole time. So, but
1: it's one where you have to be disciplined, huh?
0: Oh my God! Like you know, I was we we've talked to a couple of people um, since and. um, that's the thing is separating or I mean, I don't know if some people don't, but learning to separate your work life from your home life and isn't yep. even possible sometimes. Um, some days I don't think it is. So,
1: no, you have to get up at the same time. You have to change your clothes. Right. You have to put your wherever you do your work is in a room that you only do that in. Right. Um There's all these things I used to do that that I think were abstract to my family, to my friends.
0: Uh-huh
1: because they would say wow your studio it's so fun and it isn't it's a big junkie but uh they would say that and and they go you never spend time in there i go well i work in there that's not where i spend time yeah um whether when you when five o'clock hits you have to you get your work done you stop so you can see everybody yeah uh and, and so they started getting into it but uh i think the tough part you know, obviously for a lot of women was they couldn't get their hair cut. <laughs> there's yeah. there's things that I can't act there. I couldn't help. them. But yeah. um, there's a lot of things like that. No, uh, like I said, where I don't know where you guys are, but where I am, a lot of it has been lifted. Just the counties kind of run, call their shots here in California. Yeah. Um, and uh, knock on wood, thank God it, it didn't really come around here.
0: Yeah good well um kelly you know thanks for your time we really appreciate it thanks for the beautiful stories and the memories um please take care of yourself i hope your family's doing okay everyone's doing Uh, good thank you and we will check in with you soon um definitely we have to have our annual christmas party or i'm sorry halloween party with you halloween (laughs) yes halloween party is what we do with kelly jones so uh you know at the very least we'll see you around then
1: okay thanks guys
0: thanks so much so much kelly all right bye-bye great